It's a matter of your health. It's a matter of your health. The 30-minute radio show that gives you information and educates you on healthy living. Here's your host, board-certified physician, hypertension specialist, Dr. Vita Bland. We thank you so much for joining us today. We are very pleased to have as our guest, Dr. Shabana Shahid. He is a gastroenterologist. He's board certified with Bethany Medical in High Point, Greensboro, North Carolina. Dr. Shahid, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you for having me today. Now, of course, one of the major things we want to talk about is colonoscopies. And, <laughs> and you know, I don't know what you guys are seeing, but we're seeing a lot of patients who have not gotten their colonoscopies. And to be perfectly honest, I think they're using COVID as an excuse to not get it done. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being cynical. Well, early on, there was definitely a big impact from COVID. Um, we're non-emergent and elective procedures were being postponed. But now with the decline in COVID cases, vaccinations, and safe sanitizing practices, we're really functioning like we were pre-COVID. I think people are now sort of returning to their doctors in office using less telehealth. So COVID, I don't think any longer can be used as an excuse for staying away from us. Exactly. They can't use it as an excuse anymore. So, you know, I think in the last few years, the uh, recommendations of when you get a colonoscopy have become, in my opinion, more aggressive, which I think is really uh, an important deal. Could we talk about, you know, when you should get a colonoscopy, who should get a colonoscopy a little bit? Well, 45 is a new 50. Um, A few years ago, the American Cancer Society changed its recommendations to start screening for colon cancer at the age of 45. And just last year, the U.S. Services Preventative Task Force agreed and decreased the guidelines as well. So if you're 45, age Male, female, it doesn't matter what your background is. If you don't have any symptoms, that's when you should start getting screened for colon cancer. And the reason behind it is we're seeing a lot of younger patients being diagnosed with colon cancer. Um, And this is not patients that are like closer to 50, but it's actually patients who are in their like 30s and 40s. So I think the new recommendation is really great um, in light of these early diagnoses. Why do you think we're seeing these people present so early with colon cancer? And they still don't know what factors are contributing to the earlier diagnoses. Um, They're just seeing that it's presented higher now, and it's presenting more in the left side and the rectum, which on, you know, usually we end up seeing a lot more colon cancers diagnosed on the right side in older patients. But in these younger patients, we're seeing them on the left side of the colon and closer to the rectum. And again, we're still unclear as to why this is happening. Wow, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. But I'm so glad that, you know, that people are being more aggressive about getting it done. Have you found that, you know, when I tell patients this to younger patients, they are like, what? I thought I had some time. And they're absolutely shocked, (laughs) you know. 
Well, it's funny. We had a big Facebook promotion about getting a colonoscopy if you were excited about the most recent Super Bowl halftime show. (laughs) Yes, that would include (laughs) my group of people. (laughs) That is funny. That is funny. But I hope people will, uh, you know, some people want to go ahead and get it done and some people don't want to go ahead and get it done. All we can do is just try to encourage people to be proactive and get their colonoscopies done. And, you know, how do you feel, though, you know, when we talk about colon screening, is it only colonoscopies that we're talking about? Or do you feel that other procedures are also okay? Well, colonoscopy is a gold standard, and that's what all other tests are compared to. So we like to offer a colonoscopy to all patients who are willing to undergo the procedure. There are other tests that are out there like stool tests, um, which seem a lot more easier, which they are. But again, they're not as sensitive as in detecting colon cancer or polyps. Yes, I know what you mean. Uh, patients, though, on a lot of times will want to do the, the easier uh, process, but a lot of times I try to get them not to do the easier process. So colonoscopies, what it is, it's a small tube with a camera at the end, which takes a look at the entire colon. And the great thing about a colonoscopy, it's a screening test, but it's also preventative and curative. Because when you're doing a colonoscopy, we're looking for polyps. Polyps are like small pimples of abnormal tissue that over time can turn into a colon cancer. So when you're doing a colonoscopy, if you see any of these polyps, they can be safely removed during the colonoscopy. And that could be curative of a future colon cancer. Even small colon cancers can be found and removed safely and a person can be cured. So that's the benefit of really doing the colonoscopy as opposed to some of the other stool tests. A colonoscopy is not uncomfortable. You're asleep for the procedure. Only takes about 30 minutes. I think what patients are really concerned about is the day before where they have to drink something that doesn't taste good and it's going to give them a lot of diarrhea or the fact that they can't eat. And I think a lot of people, you know, might be a little bit embarrassed or concerned that a certain part of their body is going to be exposed or looked at. Yes, I think you're absolutely right about that. Do you have any numbers about what percentage of Americans go ahead and get their colonoscopies or anything like that? I don't know those numbers, but there is some data from 2020 where about 150,000 U.S. um, people were diagnosed with colon cancer and about 53% of those patients actually died. Mm. It's about one third of those cancers die. Well, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but I've talked to people who do, you know, uh, mammography and because people put off getting their mammographies done, you know, we were seeing an increase in the number of patients that presented with breast cancer. I don't know if you guys are seeing any increase in your numbers because people have put this off or not. I think in the next few years, data will be coming out showing that there probably is an increase during the COVID time where people postpone their screening. And once they get the colonoscopy done, when do they get the next one? 
So colonoscopy, if you do a great clean out and your colon's clean and you don't find any polyps and there's no underlying family history, then you could be good for 10 years. If one or two polyps are found, you may be brought back anywhere from five to seven years. And if you have more than two polyps, then you're probably going to see yourself coming back sooner, anywhere from two to three years. And, you know, that's something that I think patients should kind of keep in their head, you know, when their next one is due. I know I, as their primary care physician, I try to write it down in the chart Mm -hmm. so that I can remind them, well, your colonoscopy is due in 22 or is due in 23 so that we can keep that foremost in their um, uh, brain so that it doesn't come in as a surprise that it's time to get it done again. Now, when we think about uh, colon health, what are the other things that you think we should, you know, talk about? You know, um, I have been seeing a lot of people who are coming in worried about their gut flora and if they have the right uh, bacteria in their colon and wanting to know about probiotics, uh, you're the expert. What are you telling people? So this is a very big topic nowadays about gut flora um, because changes in your gut flora have been shown to cause certain diagnoses such as Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, and even trigger irritable bowel syndrome. There's a lot of research that's going on in this area, and there's still a lot we don't know. One of the things that we do know now, um, and this will come to a surprise to a lot of people, is about probiotics. And our guidelines from the American College of Gastroenterology has reviewed a lot of studies looking at probiotics and their benefit in gut health. And these studies have actually shown that these products, these probiotics, may not be as helpful. Um, They're not harmful, but they may not be promoting good gut flora as we had previously thought. Um, So my recommendation to patients is it's not going to harm you. You can try it because some people definitely see an improvement in symptoms like bloating, constipation, or diarrhea. Um, But I do say don't go out and spend a lot of money on them because, you know, it may not work and it may not be worth it. Well, you know, the the deal with gut flora anyway, you know, I guess people try to understand what it is that the gut is actually controlling. I mean, it seems that it's trying to control the brain and, you know, everything else. Uh, You know, what's your thought process on that? So gut flora um, is really important in keeping the lining of the colon and the intestine healthy. And it also aids in digestion. So, you know, one of the things that we know through research is, Um, and through digestion is when you rid the body of your good bacteria, for instance, after taking a course of antibiotics, you allow sort of the bad bacteria to populate in your gut. And when you eat certain foods, that bad bacteria breaks it down and it breaks it down into things that can cause discomfort like bloating and gas, or it can break things down into ingredients like sugars that your body can't digest, leading to diarrhea. So it is this population of bad bacteria that could trigger some of these symptoms. And the thought is that in some way, these bad bacteria can trigger inflammation in the gut. Okay. You know, it's to the point now that 
I think very hard before starting someone on a course of antibiotics and try to figure out if there's any other way that we can do take care of the problem rather than to put them on uh, antibiotics. Um, so I, I think in a lot of ways that might be good because I think we were giving too many antibiotics uh, before anyway. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, if I give them these antibiotics and I kill off their good, you know, bacteria and everything, that it may take anywhere from, I've heard from one month to six months for that bacteria to re uh, accumulate. Is that true or, or, or what? Um, it does take time for your body to repopulate after taking antibiotics. Um, the exact time of which I don't think we're quite sure, um, but doing what we can to minimize antibiotics and only using them if they're absolutely needed is a you know very good recommendation. What about fermented foods? Uh, people are talking about taking in fermented foods. What's your to help with the with the uh, flora, uh, you know, how do you make sure you have a good flora? What should should someone be doing? Um, having a good gut flora, um, really minimizing um, your intake of antibiotics, and I would say eating foods that are not completely processed, um, less things out of a box, less things out of a can, and just eating more whole foods will overall improve your digestive health. Um, The fermented foods, again, I don't think there's enough data out there showing, you know, what benefits going to have. But I I don't think it's going to hurt eating these foods. Does the gut flora have anything to do with maintaining weight? There have been some studies about transfer of of, um, flora from one person to another person. Uh, well, I shouldn't say person, but I think in animals more than so. I've seen it in in, um, in humans. Does what? Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, you know, we are doing procedures where we have transferred one person's stool to another person's stool um, or colon to treat things like certain infections, um, like C. diff. There have been certain studies showing that taking healthy stool and transferring it to a person who has a disease called ulcerative colitis, where you have inflammation of the colon, can be of some benefit. Again, there are more studies that needed um, in that area. So transferring the gut flora from someone healthy to someone who's not healthy, it's things that we're doing now, um, but it's not sort of recommended for diseases like irritable bowel syndrome, gas and bloating or any of those issues. It's definitely something for more specialized diseases right now. Well, we're very happy today to have Dr. Shahid. She is a gastroenterologist with Bethany Medical. They have locations in Greensboro, uh, High Point and Kernisville, all over the place here. Yeah. So uh, it seems like you guys are really busy. So, you know, when we think also about taking care of uh, the, the colon and everything, one of the, the primary things that I see a lot uh, is constipation. You know, what's your thought process about that? Um, so constipation has you know several definitions for different people. Um, some people feel that they have to have a bowel movement every day 
and that's what's considered normal. Some people feel fine if they have a bowel movement, you know, once or twice a week, um, and that's their normal. So, you know, really the definition is, you know, having bowel movements, you know, less than three times a week, having bowels that are small, like little rabbit pellets. Those are sort of the definitions of, you know, what can be constipation. And a lot of the times we first kind of really focus on a person's diet. You know, what are you eating? And, you know, for someone who's in the age of their 40s and 50s, they require a significant amount of fiber, anywhere from 28 to 32 grams, um, which is several pieces of fruit, lots of fruits and vegetables, um, whole wheat bread, whole wheat pasta, So that's really kind of the place that we focus on first. Um, If you are at an age of 45 um, or older and you notice that you were having bowel movements that were every day and then it changed to something that wasn't daily, and that's a little bit more concerning and should be more evaluated with something like a colonoscopy. A lot of my older patients complain the most about constipation. Why do you think that's, that's so? Um, I think as you get older, your digestion does change um, and maybe the intake of your nutrients change as well, which can contribute it to having more constipation. Again, with those patients, I definitely encourage high fiber diet, um, taking fiber supplements and there, you know, are a slew of medications over the counter and by prescription, which can be prescribed, you know, to help with these patients, um, increasing their water intake um, and even exercise, you know, getting the body moving might even get the gut moving. Mm, okay. One of the things that I'm also seeing is that a lot of people now are doing keto, okay, the keto diet. And I'm seeing a lot of people come in with constipation. Is, is there something that they're doing wrong with the keto diet or is that just part of it? Well, I think with the keto diet, you're definitely much higher um, in your protein intake. Um, so your meats, um, your proteins. So I think the diet is decreasing on your fruits and your vegetables because you have more of a focus on your protein, which could be what's causing people to have to be more on the constipated side. So if you were going to sit here and tell somebody what would be the perfect diet to have the best colon that they could possibly have, what would you say? So diet wise, it would just be fiber, 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 fiber. It is your best friend. Um, So that means fruits and vegetables, whole grains, um, whole wheat bread, whole wheat pasta, whole grain cereals. So fiber is really important. Um, Not drinking very much alcohol. You know, increased alcohol levels have been, you know, shown to have an increased risk of colon cancer, as is smoking. So don't smoke. And as I mentioned, it was eating more whole foods as opposed to things that are processed, less things coming out of a box, less things coming out of a can, a diet that has less red meat in it, and a diet that doesn't consume a lot of processed meats like hot dogs, um, bacon, uh, lunch meats, I think, and, you know, just drinking a lot of water, um, 
and maintaining a healthy weight are probably things that will help your colon be healthy. But again, it's no guarantee, but those things will help. I got you. Now, you are definitely a board-certified gastroenterologist, but what is your favorite part of being a gastroenterologist? So I love doing procedures. Yes, I like doing colonoscopies and endoscopies, but I also really enjoy seeing patients. So my field has a good mix of seeing patients and then being able to do procedures. And I like GI health um, and I really like women's health that's focused on sort of GI symptoms and diseases. Wow, that's a, that's something I've not heard that before. So talk to me a little bit about women's health that's focused on GI. So it's a problem um, that's common to both um, male and females, but you see more in females, but it's fecal incontinence or stool accidents. Mm-hmm. Um, it's unfortunately something that a lot of patients don't talk about, um, but there are treatments out there that are non-medical. So it's a field that I'm really focused on, and it is a device that helps to stimulate the nerves that control the bladder and the rectum, which allow patients to have decreased stool accidents and leakage. Wow, that would be great because... Uh, incontinence of stool is life-changing. I've, I've seen people quit their jobs because mm-hmm. they were so uncomfortable and afraid they were going to be offensive to others because of that. It's more common, we think. It's about as common an a- as asthma. Really? Wow. It is, yeah. Who is more prone to have this? Is is there a particular medical problem that brings this on or or what? Um, So some people have it related to medical problems, but it's not an old age by any means. It's just there can be a disconnect between the brain and the nerves that control um, the rectum and the bladder. And it's over time, and especially with females, if you've had um, pregnancies, your muscle in the rectum can loosen, causing you not to be able to hold your stool in as tightly as you were able to when you were younger. Diabetes, anything like that, more prone with this? Um, Definitely diseases that can affect the nerves, which include longstanding diabetes, but even something like MS. Um, Some people who have had some injuries to the nerves in their spine or their back. Wow. And, and that's just wonderful that you can do something to help them because, like I say, this is, can be definitely life-changing and uh, cause a lot of problems and distress for a lot of people. Yeah, so, you know, patients who have these issues need to reach out to their primary care doctors or gastroenterologists and, you know, even just look online because, unfortunately, not everyone knows about the treatment for accidents. So it does involve a little bit of research and Googling. One of the things I'd like to ask you as we start getting ready to close in today, who are your heroes? My mom, I would have to say, is definitely my biggest hero. Um, My dad passed away unexpectedly when I was young, and she raised me and my brother on her own um, and, you know, provided us with everything that we needed. And she is still my number one supporter today. And I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for her. That's fabulous. Are there other heroes in your life? 
It's funny. I don't think I've ever been asked this question. Well, mom is a great one. She's the number one. <laughs> She's always mom. Yes. <laughs> always mom. You're blessed to have her. Very much so. So as we get ready to go ahead and close in, you know, what are the words of wisdom that you'd like to leave our audience with when it comes to the colon, your specialty? You know, what words of wisdom do you want people to think about? You know, how do they, how do you want them to behave as far as their colon is concerned? You know, if you, you know, you know, what would you tell them to do? Let's say that they came and asked you, okay, we're going to get uh, somebody to be the GI specialist for the whole country. <laughs> what would be your words of wisdom? Uh, uh, what would you want us to do so that we can be healthier? Well, I think since it's March and it's Colorectal Cancer Awareness Month, I'd really say that if you're 45, please get screened. Colonoscopies save lives and colon cancer is treatable, it's beatable, it's curable. It's the second leading cause of cancer death in the U.S., and it doesn't have to be. So I encourage you to talk to your primary care doctors, providers, ask about colonoscopies. And if you're having any kind of symptoms, bleeding, abdominal pain, any change in the way you were going to the bathroom, to talk to your doctor and to get screened. And, you know, it doesn't have to be a colonoscopy, although that's the gold standard. Um, you know, start somewhere because something is better than nothing. Absolutely. Anything else you'd like to talk about before we leave? I think that's it for today. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. Well, our guest today has been Dr. Shabana Shahid, and she is a board-certified gastroenterologist at Bethany Medical um, and we thank you so much because I know you're a busy lady. You got a family and everything else. So I thank you for taking time to be with us today. I'm so happy to do it. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Dr. Vita Bland. Thank you for listening to It's a Matter of Your Health, the 30-Minute Health Magazine on your local public radio station. We also invite you to visit our website at www dot drblandradio.com. There you will find past episodes of our show and my weekly column for the newspapers. You are invited to like our show on Facebook. Simply search DR Bland Radio to find our page. Thanks for supporting this public radio station and listening to It's a Matter of Your Health the 30-Minute Health Magazine. You've been listening to It's a Matter of Your Health, the 30-Minute Radio Show that educates you and gives you information on healthy living with board-certified physician and hypertension specialist, Dr. Vita Bland.